welcome to Punta Vista Socialist Club, episode 40. 40? 40. 40! My god. I'm having a mid-podcast crisis. I feel 40 and fabulous. Mm. <laughs> I feel like Bridget Jones up in here. 40 is the new 50. Flirty and feeling great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am Andrew. I'm here with Ben and Lucy. Hi, guys. G'day. Oh. We, got a, we got a joint. That was a quite joint nice. hello. Mixing it up. All yeah, on the same level. I didn't yeah. mind that. Uh, Theo's not with us today. I understand that he's um, at home just stressing out. I think he, at this stage, would be staring at his computer and crying. Hmm. Uh, Mid-stress. Mid tearing out his uh, very reasonable business-like haircut. Hmm. Uh, having a time. Yeah, so um, shout out to Theo. We love him. And we hope that he unscrambles the eggs that he uh, that he scrambled earlier in the day. Mm. Fingers crossed. Some kind of some kind of numbers problem. I'm gonna guess. Yeah, numbers or uh, what are the other ones? Words. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's one of those two. Yeah. Uh, so here we are again, folks. And guess what? Boy, do we have a treat in store for you. Uh, because a friend of the show is back, and that friend is none other than Penis Whackerman. Penis Whackerman. Return of the Whack. Return of the Whack. When did the rap horn become an option? <laughs> I, just, I felt like it was worth it just to announce the return of Lucy being able to say Penis Whackerman over so you've and over been, again. Penis Whackerman. On the technology for us to do spontaneous air horns for the entire time, just waiting yeah. for the appropriate moment. Oh, that yeah. one wasn't spontaneous. That was well planned. That was planned <laughs> a week in advance. My goodness. Listeners of the show, friends of the show, will remember that we have talked about a huge piece of shit columnist, Piers Ackerman, before. On a previous episode that we entitled, Lucy. Penis Whackerman? Penis Whackerman. <laughs> this is, of course, the sequel. The Penis Whacker Man. Um, we have several different titles we could go by. Penis Whacker Man 2, Whack Harder. <laughs> penis Whacker Man 2, Penis Boogaloo. Uh, <laughs> two Penis 2 Whacker Man. <laughs> penis Whacker Man 2, Whack in the Habit. Uh, I still know whose penis you whacked last summer. <laughs> and Penis Whacker Man 2, The Hand That Whacks the Penis. Look, I don't want to step on your toes. They're all some fantastic suggestions. Yeah, uh, I probably would have gone with a quiet, understated simplicity of penis backer man. <laughs> That's good. That's <laughs> nice. Yeah. Look, they're all great options, folks. <laughs> it's very generous of you to say about your own <laughs> options. <laughs> well, that included uh, both of you guys' options. So, folks at home, whatever is your favourite, um, just print out the podcast and write that on it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Choose your own adventure. It's sort of like um, with uh, when Radiohead released In Rainbows and you mm. got to assemble the case yourself and put some stuff wherever. You yeah. get to assemble the two elements of a podcast yourself. First, oh. you've got your audio. Mm. And then you've got your title. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it sounds like some, some bullshit that Radiohead pulled. It's like going out to a restaurant and then having to put your own salad together, you know? The old salad bar. You're describing the experience of going to Sizzler or an Eden Pizza Hut? <laughs> Both of which are so common these days in Australia. Oh, I'm I mean, pretty sure there's like there's one Sizzler left and it's in Queensland, right? Th there's like ten in Brisbane. <laughs> oh, look, if I see one there, I'll go in just to get the pan bread. Oh, oh that's some good Ooh. some good bread. When you come up here we should uh we'll all go to we'll all go to Sizzler. Yeah, we'll <gasps> go to Sizzler, get Is some ice cream, some jelly. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm there excited. Are so many. I don't know why they just stayed in Queensland. I Senior mean, I, citizen. I think I know why. Yeah, I know why. <laughs> <laughs> Living in the past. Uh, so people might remember uh, Penis Whackerman's last appearance on the show in which he wrote a column so vile that we couldn't help but get into it because it was perfectly emblematic of really all of the, the worst uh, homophobic impulses that uh, the entire same-sex marriage debate was unleashing on the community. Uh, it was it was very disgusting. I can't remember the specifics. Go back and listen if you're so awful. inclined. I can't remember was, why, but it was awful. 
Oh, it was really bad. You know what? I can't remember either. Did we actually do this episode or did we just all hallucinate that we've done a Peter Swaggerman episode before? (laughs) Collectively hallucinated. Uh, So he's back. He's back in uh, National Toilet Paper Rag, The Spectator, uh, which I believe is edited by Spaghetti Head Fuck Rowan Dean. I believe Mm -hmm. so, yes. Mm. Just a real, real pile of dog shit. Just a heaping bucket of turds. It's it's awful. There's there's very few other ways to describe it. Um, have a crack though, Ben. Have a crack at describing the quality of the spectator. I thought you were saying have a crack at describing Rowan Dean. I was like, it's weird that you're using uh, it instead of he. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, not that weird, but slightly strange. The spectator is just where like every. I think I would describe it as maybe quadrant with slightly more scrutiny, maybe. But they're both yeah. just places where very wealthy conservatives pay other very wealthy conservatives to write terrible opinions that even, like, editors at The Australian or The Sun wouldn't run. Yeah. Mm. Which so, is saying something in this country. Yeah. Like, uh, the fucking um, Daisy Cousins's Bill Leak fan fiction... Uh, yeah, that was. In the I believe was right? was in the specky. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful Daisy. Beautiful <laughs> Daisy. Uh, yeah. I too love to wait until somebody has died and they write an obituary that just strongly suggests that they probably wanted to fuck me. <laughs> I mean, I would do that. It depends on who the slab was, but I would consider it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, Piers Ackerman normally writes for. I mean, he's got a column uh, in the telly, I'm pretty sure, and uh, he writes for The Australian, uh, but apparently neither of them were willing to back this insane turd of an article, uh, so he posted mm. it in The Spectator where, I mean, ideally, no one would have seen it. Like, five ideally. people read the website, but instead, uh, some keen observer on the internet, I believe I first saw it from Michael... Coziol, I think is how you say his name. Uh, yep. Mm. Writer for The Age, I believe. Um, uh, yeah, he sort of shared it and then moved on. And, I mean, I guess in an ideal world, we wouldn't even be talking about it. But it is just so fucking disgustingly shit. Mm. Uh, and I've been very angry about it since I saw it. And this is really the only catharsis I'm going to get short of finding Piers Ackerman and then smothering his own face into his own stomach until he dies (laughs) Uh, so just for a bit of context as well say for any international listeners um, there there had been a royal commission which is like a big big government backed uh, inquiry uh, into like institutional uh, child abuse in Australia so and you know that covered uh, things like uh, churches and um, orphanages and the Salvation Army and just all kinds of stuff and uh, the results are absolutely horrifying as you would expect. Um, I should note at the time when former Prime Minister Julia Gillard established um, the the Royal Commission. Who was it? Who was it from the Australian uh, that was like? Oh, you know, this is all just just giving a bunch of people a chance to come out and just make stuff up, and it was uh, it was. Oh very, very yeah, Who, that was awful. Oh. I, don't I don't, I don't recall that. Oh, it was extremely, extremely bad take. Um, said, so, oh, she's she's just trying to victimize Catholics and <laughs> all that kind of thing, and lo and behold, uh, there were thousands and thousands of cases, and really, really horrible stuff. Um, Penis, however, has taken a a particular angle on this that is especially unfortunate. And it's almost as though he has some particularly discriminatory agenda Mm. that he's trying to advance with this piece. Let me me hit you with it and we'll try and see if, if people can decipher his incredibly subtle, incredibly subtle coding that he's going for here. Ahem... Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull has again flagged his intention to deliver a national apology to the victims of institutional child abuse along with compensation through a national redress scheme paid for by you, the taxpayers. 
Speaking after a ceremony with Premiers Andrews and Berejiklian at Kirribilli House six days after appearing with wife Lucy at the Mardi Gras, very tone of indictment there. Mm. Mr. Turnbull said the recently concluded Royal Commission, quote, validated the stories of the survivors, end quote, and enabled them to, quote, be believed, end quote. Whilst it has the fashion, whilst it has been the fashion for virtue signaling politicians to offer national apologies, Kevin Rudd's apology to the so-called stolen generation, Julia Gillard's apology over forced adoptions, and cash compensation, there seems to be no evidence that such gestures had delivered anything more than a feel-good moment for the deliverer of the sentiment, temporary public recognition for the recipient, and encouragement for others to form victim groups and hit the taxpayer for recompense. And larger tax bills for those who still pay taxes and are not recipients of the government's sweeping cash redistribution program. So we might just pause there for a second. Hmm and hit a few of the particularly horrible notes from this last paragraph. Uh, let's start with, well, of course he has to drop in virtue signaling because it's it's one of the uh, of course. Vo- the vocabulary of about five terms that Australian conservatives have. Uh, but straight into Kevin Rudd's apology to the so-called stolen generation. Oh, so-called, of course. I love a bit of stolen generation denial. It's fucked well, up. How how at this point? I mean, uh, it it feels to me like even five or ten years ago, there were barely any voices who were hanging in there with. Oh, you know, those good people who who did it for their own good. Yeah, it's back. Really retro, retro yeah. racism. I love it. <laughs> bit of retro racism from Piers. Um, yeah, it's, it's like I, I don't even I don't even get how he manages to get so-called stolen generation. No. Um, and of course, the idea that examining, you know, the, the causes and the perpetrators of wide scale institutionalized abuse of children um, doesn't really do anything except for uh, make the person feel good who gets to say sorry on behalf of the country. Yeah, the Kevin Rudd experience. Yes, <laughs> and and of course it encourages other people. I'm sure a lot of people would watch, um, you know, any of the hearings um, from the Royal Commission into institutionalized abuse of children, and then say, "Ooh, I should get in on that." As he seems to be suggesting here, that people would look at that and say, what a sweet way to get paid. Mm-hmm. Larger tax bills for those who still pay taxes. God, he's a dickhead. <laughs> as, though, as though nobody in Australia pays taxes. Yep, mm-hmm. totally normal and fine. And are not recipients of the government's sweeping cash redistribution program. <laughs> uh, this horrifying socialist state that we live in disgusting stuff Mm. Uh, we've got the uh, now look he does say so called stolen generation but coming up is the most factually inaccurate part of the article in which he begins his sentence writing in the excellent quadrant (laughs) (laughs) classic Uh, writing in the excellent quadrant which has had its modest government funding withdrawn and given to leftist groups again uh, absolutely unprovable, not a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that it's it's clearly proven itself as not being worth giving funding to because nobody reads it and nobody gives a shit about it. Um, I do like though that he has cast it as it being taken out of their pocket, and then you know the mean government has then immediately turned uh, forty five degrees. It's it here, here, good anarchists, you have the money. <laughs> Writing in the excellent quadrant, Keith Winshuttle has rejected the idea of a national apology, saying Mr. Turnbull would be wrongly attributing blame. He said the nation itself has never approved of child sexual abuse. All states and territories have long had laws against it. Quote, the blame for crimes of pederasty lies squarely with those who perpetrate them. To say otherwise is to deny the basic idea of all morality that individuals are responsible for their actions 
While institutions can bear some of the responsibility for crimes if they encourage or tolerate them or turn a blind eye, and while court cases of individual prosecutions have established clearly some institutional failings of this kind, it is plainly wrong to blame the nation. Hmm. I mean, I, uh, I don't think anyone is. No. Yeah. Like someone saying, oh, God, all those priests molested those children because of Australia. Yeah. Well, I notice, uh, shockingly enough, that it is a hard-right conservative who has immediately returned to the incredibly failed arguments against apologising to the stolen generation, where, again, it was the same line of, oh, well, I didn't take anybody's family members. I didn't enslave anybody. Mm, I, I didn't, didn't kill do any kids. Yeah, so why should I have to apologise? Um, that, that, to me, was the most prominent line of reasoning that I remember hearing against the apologies of the stolen generation despite the fact that the government of the day made exceedingly clear uh, this apology is being offered on behalf of the government of Australia. Yeah. Um, because it was the government of Australia that carried out this stuff and its policies, and it's only right that, you know, a successive government say what the previous version of this government did was wrong. Uh, they made very clear that they were not apologising on behalf of you know, the population of the country, but yet still people had to paint it as this whole thing of, oh, well, if they say sorry to this these people, it's like they're saying, you know, they're saying that all of us are responsible and we all did something wrong and we all had a part in it. And, I mean, it's it goes even further than that. I mean, for the government to admit that, uh, like, paternalistic, interventionist approach to Indigenous affairs was a mistake. It also criticises their current approach to Indigenous affairs. Yeah. Mm. You know, and so that's essentially an admission that there's wrongdoing, and obviously you can never admit that you're wrong. It's the worst thing you can possibly do. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the abuse is fine, the stolen children, fine. Saying you're sorry, though, plainly wrong. And, they, you know, they always take this very simplistic view that you always see stuff like, oh, well, saying sorry is not going to fix it, which, you know, is true. Like, that's that's not the point. The point has never been, oh, we've suddenly solved the whole problem. But mm. it, it is the whole point of these things is at least acknowledging that there is a problem so that you can start tackling them. Well, it's, it's interesting. It kind of makes me think of, um, I mean, yes, there are people who say, oh, it's just a, it's just a gesture. It's just, it's just a token gesture. And I think to myself, like, yes, it is a gesture to those people. Mm, but we're it's wrong. a nice thing it to is, do. It is a gesture to those communities. Yeah, in the same way that, like, I don't know, if you stomp on somebody's foot on the train and you turn to them and say, I am sorry about that. <laughs> You don't magically make their foot not hurt, but you have turned and gestured to them. Well, why don't you? Why don't you magically make their foot not hurt? Sorry's not going to do anything. Yeah, why bother saying sorry? Yeah, Andrew. Why even bother? What the fuck? Well, I was going to say it also also kind of uh, has a similar air to me of the kinds of people who act like um, it would be the world's greatest imposition for them to refer to somebody by their preferred pronouns. Mm, like, it's so difficult. As though it would be this massive thing, as though... Like, uh, yeah, I just I just don't get that stuff where even if, even if inside, you know, you thought, oh, well, that's, that's not what gender this person really is. I don't believe that that's what they really are or anything like that. How hard is it? How hard is it really... Is it some massive capitulation? Is it some huge compromise of everything inside you that you think is real and right and all that sort of stuff? Or is it literally just that? Is it just a gesture to another person? Just a gesture of kindness? Just treating them with a modicum of humanity for a fucking second in your life. It's not that fucking hard. Suck it up. doesn't require you to do anything other than just say a thing. Or, in the case of... Uh, things like apologies from the government on behalf of the government to a group 
that was persecuted or institutionally wronged by the government, it requires you to do fucking nothing. You don't have to do a thing. Yeah, you just have to shut up. Yep. And not write a column about it. You don't have to watch it on the news. You don't have to, you know, walk around in your workplace asking everybody, um, you know, like what their background is and then apologizing accordingly or anything like that. You just have to, like, if you don't care, just fucking continue not caring. Continue not caring and not talking to anyone about it. That's it. The penis goes on to say, He noted that though the Royal Commission and the media, who have fawned on its assertions, have worked hard to demonize the Catholic Church, the Commission's own statistics show otherwise. The biggest single group of victims were not altar boys or choristers, or even Catholic school students, but inmates of -of out-of-home care institutions, that is, foster care households and homes for the disabled, orphans, and homeless. Uh... Yeah, because churches don't run any of them. Anyway, Mm. (coughs) I I like that specifically altar boys and choristers, Catholic school students. Um, And and also, let me just say, I enjoy the idea here that he's suggesting that any, any single one of these people that he's talking about is like more or less worthy of attention based on how many people in their demographic were abused. Mm hmm. As though, yeah, as though you were meant to be angrier about one or the other or anything like that. <clears throat> Quote, so I believe he's still quoting from Keith Windshuttle here. Quote, apart from that, one apparently obvious inference from the report statistics is it is mainly boys who are victims, 63.6%, and it is mainly adult men who are the perpetrators, 92.8% male and 83.8% adult. In short... Child abuse in institutions seems to be committed mainly by homosexual men preying on vulnerable and disturbed children displaced from their own families. Oh, boy. Uh, Mm. Yeah, so... Good grief. Good grief. I mean, the sentence that follows that up is, however, not even this broad conclusion is reliable. Yep, very, very helpful stuff. Well, in fairness, if we continue on, he's using that to undermine uh, the evidence given by... Abuse victims. The commission's figures are all based on 9,325 verbal and written accusations, none of them formally cross-examined. Of these, the commission could only refer 2,562 or 27% to the police. In other words, three out of four complainants did not provide good enough evidence to take the matter any further. Uh, Number one, I wonder how many of these things happened to someone like 40 years ago, and this is the first time that they've finally come forward and talked about it. Um, But, yeah, let's just, let's run it back for a second and touch on what is the core contention of this article, which is um, basically just the direct linking of pedophilia and homosexuality. So, a classic. Even if... Okay, let's let's accept the thrust of his argument, right? He's saying that uh, disproportionate to the percentage of the population that is homosexual or bisexual uh, are homosexual or bisexual men represented in the statistics for sexually abusing children, right? So let's take his argument there. His argument there is that uh, being a pedophile is inherent to being homosexual. Then let's look at the other statistics that we were presented with. 92.8% of the abusers are men. So, mm-hmm. disproportionate to the fact that 50% of the population is men, and nearly, like, every single perpetrator was a man, isn't it a much more convincing argument to say that sexual abuse is inherent to men more than it is anything else? You'd like, if you're so. going to use those so. statistics to back up your argument, you're a fucking dumb cunt, because it, it's already you're already undermining yourself with this stupid thing. So fucking, he could have written the same article saying men need to apologise on behalf of it, but obviously he would have been fucking crucified by every single right-wing person for misandry and fucking reverse sexism and all that fucking bullshit. (laughs) These people are so fucking dumb. Mm. And they get paid so much money. Oh, I know. It's ridiculous. Uh, Hey, just to pause for a second, uh, I am looking at this article on the Spectator website. And um, in the sidebar, there are links to two other articles. One has a picture of uh, Yasmin Abdelmajid, 
who just received the Young Voltaire um, uh, Award thingy, the Free Speech Award. Free Speech Award, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and with the title of the article saying, this isn't an honor, it's a circle jerk. <laughs> and then immediately below that, <laughs> there is an article with the title, haven't we hounded Barnaby Joyce enough? <laughs> oh my God. Oh. oh my God. Sorry, that was distracting me for a moment. There. No capacity for self-reflection, these Zero. people. Mm. So, yeah, like... Uh, like we were just saying, there's the ob- obvious straightaway equivalency to that. And, uh, like, I, I don't know what sort of extremely elementary understanding of, of you know, rape and sexual abuse and sexual violence that you would have to have to not get that, that in almost all cases it is about power about exercising power over another person like how I, I don't think that everybody who commits a rape in prison is a homosexual yeah like it, yeah. It's, it's it's just such a ridiculously yeah I, so I I um I was having a look at some of the submissions to the inquiry and someone sort of addressed this point specifically uh, Dr. Mary Keenan, lecturer at the so- School of Social Policy, Social Work and Social Justice at the University College of Dublin. Uh, she was on the advisory board. Oh, no, sorry. So she was uh, an advisor to the Royal Commission and a board member for their literature reviews. Um, and, I mean, her take on this was basically that you you can't really point to homosexuality or individual intent even uh, as as a factor here. Uh, so this is from the intro to one of her submissions. Uh, this section I call The Theology of Sexuality, which includes mandatory celibacy as it contributed to the occurrence of child sexual abuse in Catholic institutions. Attempts to control sexual desire and sexual activity, in my view, led to sex-obsessed lives of terror in which the, bo- the body was disavowed, sexual desire was a problem to be overcome, and the moral superiority of vowed virginity was presumed. The clerical perpetrators in my research could not openly acknowledge the reality of their sexual lives and losses even long before they began to abuse boys and girls. Uh, There was another part here where she's speaking about uh, another issue that is often raised in relation to clerical men who have sexually abused minors relates to the question of homosexuality. Is the sexual abuse of minors by Catholic clergy the result of the ordination of men of a homosexual orientation? On closer examination, this question assumes that homosexuality per se is responsible for the sexual abuse of minors by Roman Catholic clergy. However, this is not seen to be the case by much research on the subject. McGloin suggests that 46-60% to of Roman Catholic clergy who sexually abuse children and young people are of a homosexual or bisexual orientation. However, there is no evidence that sexual identity and sexually abusive behaviour have the same origins, and whilst the majority of priests and religious have abused adolescent males, the picture does not represent a simple linear trajectory from child sexual abuse of males to homosexuality or the other way around. In the general child sexual offender, f- uh, in the general child sexual offender field, adult heterosexuality is still reported as the predominant sexual orientation of men who sexually abuse prepubertal children, both males and females, whilst a- adult males who abuse adolescent males are much more likely to be men of a homosexual orientation. However, it is not simply the case of heterosexual men abusing prepubertal girls and homosexual men abusing boys as heterosexual men. Oh, as heterosexual men also sexually abuse prepubertal boys, and indeed the data may not be relevant anyway for clergymen who represent a distinct group. But basically, the takeaway from that is you just can't draw a conclusion from it. Like, mm. th- there's no clear line there. There are so many different factors at play. And, I mean, you're talking about an institution that is largely dominated by men, but, you know, that doesn't matter. Uh, as we, we always point out with these articles, none of the research, none of the facts, none of it fucking matters. You can just say oh, whatever you're dumb. Bullshit. Yeah, there's nothing. There's no scrutiny. No anything. Yep. Well, apart from anything else, he's, uh, what he's really using all of this for is to get to his, his central point of antagonism here. So... If adult males were responsible for the overwhelming majority of cases of sexual abuse found to have occurred in institutions, why aren't adult male homosexuals made responsible for the bill now? Oh, 
Yeah. <sighs> That's a rational thing to say from a very rational, logical person. It's just, just insanity. Uh, given the empirical evidence provided by the Royal Commission, surely it is time that the greater homosexual community took some responsibility for those damaged by pedophile members. As uh, yeah. the, gay, the, the Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras Parade is sponsored by a number of organisations, including notably ANZ, Qantas, Medibank, Holden, Weller, Beauty Products, Star Casino, Google, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> The organisers of this year's march claim its 12,300 participants were watched by an estimated 300,000 spectators, so perhaps they could underwrite the redress program. Or was the whole thing just a distraction from the real issue of child abuse in dysfunctional Aboriginal communities and broken homes? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wow. It's, it's truly remarkable, I think, to, to see a piece written like this where... Just, just to see somebody's prejudices laid so bare. Just so evidently. Just completely disregarding the Catholic Church. Like, there's... It, well, yeah, I mean... Well, that's that's what I was about to say in terms of, um, of it very clearly being nothing other than being intended as, as a, a petulant slight against people who demand that the Catholic Church take responsibility yeah. for for its own covering up and institutionalization of this abuse. And in that context, what people are talking about is is, you know, decades long patterns of of abuse, of covering it up, of transferring priests to other parishes so that people could in from that neighborhood could stop complaining about them from hiding evidence from the police and from the government, all while raking in shitloads of money as a tax-exempt uh, you know, institution. Yeah. But, yeah, this, this idea, this childish assertion of, ah, well, if it was a, a man who had sex with a male child, that makes him gay, so I guess all gay people are responsible for it now. Like, are, are people asking? Are people asking for the government to fund compensation to victims of the Catholic Church? They fucking should be. Or are they asking for the Catholic Church to do that? Yeah. And how does he manage to jump to from all of this to this entire thing in which thousands of people came forward? And told their stories of, of being victimized at the hands of foster parents and priests and teachers in orphanages and everything. This entire thing is, what, a big manufactured conspiratorial distraction to stop lefty PC police from having to talk about Aboriginal communities? I reckon it's just that his brain is just a giant pile of um, rat turd. Yeah, I think it's really the only reason, only way to explain this. Well, and and like this sort of comes back to what what I was just saying about does he like clearly he doesn't expect that anybody will turn around and demand that the gay community pay for compensation. So he's just saying it to say it. He's just saying it to just fling barbs at a community that he dislikes, and him managing to tack on this shit at the end about mm. Aboriginal communities and broken homes really does nothing to disabuse me of that idea. Yep. Just homophobia and racism all in one. <sighs> Got a double whammy there. Good on him. Impressive. Wealthy homosexuals and corporations generously supported the homosexual marriage lobby <laughs> earlier this year. <laughs> but show no appetite for exposing or indeed even recognizing the reality of homosexual abuse in institutions. The end. Wealthy homosexuals. Is that oh, a you specific know, group? You know all those billionaire homosexual activists oh, yeah. in well, Australia. Elite, elite gay people laughing mm. from their ivory towers where they're doing gay things. It's about 40% of Australia's population is gay billionaires. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, That's right. Gay, gay robber barons, you know. Just, just disgusting. Sickening. I'd like to send a big, big Bunta Vista fuck you 
to um to penis whacker man. I would just like to say penis whacker man. Mm. Penis whacker man. Mm. <sighs> yep. I I think we can all agree when I say penis whacker man. <laughs> I hope he finds our podcast one day. Oh, me too. Make me really happy. Well, Spectators. I mean, Unfortunately, we've we've made it so that he won't be able to find it by searching his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. It's I don't know. Th- this sort of shit is so frustrating because, I mean, there's no recourse, right? He can say insane stuff like this, and um, you know, it's not like he'll be censured by the MEAA. It's not like he'll be no. Like there's nothing. Uh, he won't get any feedback about it because all these conservatives live in these tiny little bubbles. That's like just them and five other colonists who all have the same fucking opinions and they all write them on the same day. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, well, he he will get to just write this stuff uninterrupted right up until the moment that the spectator goes out of business because it's a huge pile of shit and because they keep getting sued uh, for defamation. How are they getting money? They, they just lie about people. Yeah. Who's funding or, this or was shit? That, or was that Quadrant? Could be either. The, well, so the UK Spectator is actually huge, and I feel uh, like they're probably underwriting uh, the Australian yeah. one. Yep. They probably skate by with a bit of that. One of the, the last thing I wanted to note from that uh, is that uh, obviously none of the re- recommendations that came from the Royal Commission had anything to do with homosexuality, but one of the ones they did uh, recommend was that the Australian Catholic Bishops Conference should request that the Holy See make substantial changes to canon law including relaxing celibacy rules. you got to let your priests fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you do. It's true. you got to. Oh, my God. So I've just clicked on the Spectators UK website, and uh, one of the first articles that comes up is titled, Why are there no pubs called after Lord North? <laughs> <laughs> that is so British. Is that really correct, Really tackling, tackling Why are there the no pubs issues. called after Lord North? I don't know who that is. Called after, my goodness. So I'm guessing they're tackling the issues. Oh, the, oh, the big strange. stuff. The really big issues. So we did get asked a question this week. I asked for some uh, some letters in the old mailbag, and I've um, taken out this postcard. It's got a picture of a big-tittied lady on the front wearing a little string yeah. bikini. She's on the oh. beach. Can you forward that to says, me? Yeah, it says on it, Wish you were here. Oh, that's um, nice. Im- implying, wouldn't it be nice if we were on the beach? That big titted lady. <laughs> it, would, it would be nice. Uh, yeah. Objectively, that'd be lovely. Yeah. I don't know anything um, about the weather or which beach it is. Oh, it's sunny. Ooh. It is sunny. The water looks warm. It is crystal clear. Oh, well, that sounds t- heavenly. How big <laughs> the are the titties? titties? The titties are glistening. <laughs> Uh, they're glistening. I'm gonna say uh, double D's. Fake titties? Those big round domey like titties? No, it's like a retro '80s postcard. Oh, got real titties. Yeah, she's got that kind of feathered hair, um, heaving big naturals, natural knocks. Big knocks. Um, up in the place. Heaving knocks. So I very reluctantly flipped this postcard over to read the back. <laughs> Um, I did it. I did it while standing in front of a mirror, though, so I could still oh, kind of see clever. the picture in my peripheral, in my peripheral vision. Because you don't, you don't give up a pair like that just for nothing. You know? <laughs> uh, so I saw that friend of the show, Lockie Brennan, had sent us this postcard, uh, this very real postcard Thanks, that I'm Lockie. talking about. Yeah. And uh, Lockie asks. Uh, maybe you could dig into the whole Reese Nicholson incident and the ramifications of the plebiscite on a social level. Or you could rail Malcolm Turnbull again for being spineless and then taking the credit. That works too. Now, I don't know if you guys are aware. I was not until um, until I took way too long looking at this postcard. Uh, I was not aware of the Reese Nicholson scenario. Mm. Um, but he is... A comedian um, from Newcastle, home of leader of the Apex Gang, Matt V. Brady. He is a, a Novocastrian. Mm. Um, as is, as is Tim. Wow. As is Tim. Is he in the Apex a f- Gang? A friend from the unions. Um, I think he's applying. He's, okay. a, he's, he's pledged. He's pledged yeah, to the nice. union. Uh, so Matt will give him, you know, three or four whacks with the paddle and he'll probably be him. <laughs> 
so there was this news story about uh, Reese Nicholson having recently, uh, I'm reading this from the Herald Sun, having recently endured a homophobic rant on a Melbourne train last week while on his way to perform at a local gig. The Melbourne-based comedian was on a city-bound upfield train on Thursday night when three men and a woman boarded a Coburg station and was told, quote, if there was no one here, I'd bash you to death. Nicholson said one of the men looked him up and down and remarked, quote, you can always spot a faggot in Melbourne. Uh, I rolled my eyes, the comedian said, and then he said to me, it's looking at me, something's going to happen. Jesus. It was between the back and forth that the beating me to death comment happened. He wasn't in my face, but that was more terrifying. They were just well-dressed regular people. Nicholson exited the train at Parliament Station to report the incident. However, he stressed he wasn't physically harmed. Uh, quote, I'm fine, he said. A lot of people were asking me if I was okay afterwards. I was quite shaken by it, but this shouldn't be a thing that's happening to people. The comedian said he's worried that some people feel it's acceptable to abuse others in public spaces in the wake of the postal survey on same-sex marriage. Uh, quote, of course there are no voters that aren't homophobic, he said. They just have a traditional view and do not hate queer people. But that whole process has given people a reason to say things that are incredibly homophobic and we're now seeing the aftermath of it. It's great that we have same-sex marriage now, but I feel like it's also not a time to rest on our laurels. So much more needs to be done. There's so many things, like how I can't give blood. Uh, Nicholson will be performing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival across four weeks, from March 29th to April 22nd. Uh, so, if you're in town, get along and see him. I have no idea if he's good. Right. Seems like a nice, nice I, lad. I f- truly believe he is one of Australia's best stand-ups, and I oh. generally don't like stand-up because I find it insanely corny and terrible. Uh, Same. I don't like stand-up. But he's just a fucking phenomenal performer. Like he's every single guy. line he delivers, the whole thing is just, it's very sharp, it's very quick. He's just, ugh, I love him. I love him. He's very well, cute. I want to kiss him. I would like, kiss him. I would Why like to apologize. I'd like to apologize to Reese for not being aware of who he was before. Oh, man. Show. I'll send you some of his bits after his... Very kissable, very, very smoochable. Uh, And his partner is also unbelievably gorgeous. Uh, They're just a pair of hot, hot men. Uh, I hope neither of them are listening to this. No, actually, I don't care. (laughs) I I hope they are. I love you both. Would you go so far as to call them hot tamales? Yeah, I would. I certainly would. And they're hot in different ways. Mm. Uh, Complimentary hot. Oh, they're just... Wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, but back to the point at hand. I like his glasses. I like his frames, I would like, like to say as well. He's a well-dressed like man. Great glasses. Anyway, um, so the obvious link between these two stories that we're talking about is uh, clearly, number one, that people like Penis Whacker Man uh, feel that it's perfectly fine in 2018 in Australia to write an article like the one he has, which... Mm-hmm. I do not think there is any way a reasonable thinking person could read that and interpret it as anything other than a very deliberate and public attack on gay people. Um, and this sort of stuff. And I, yeah, I, th- I think it's, I think it is fair to say that exactly what everybody said was going to happen when Malcolm Turnbull announced his, his postal survey was that people were going to come out of the woods woodwork with just nasty shit and, and they, they did. did they sure did and it's still going yeah I mean that's it's been covered extensively but the crux of it is if you put into the public consciousness the idea that the validity of gay people is undecided what the fuck do you think is going to happen yep yep it was a bad time it's a bad time and Malcolm Turnbull can uh, go fuck himself for going to the Mardi Gras this year Oh yeah! Fuck. So I well, there there was that whole incident with Cher as well. Yeah, which oh. <laughs> I mean was wonderful. You know, Turnbull took a, a selfie with Cher, uh, and then a bunch of people tweeted at her, just being like, "Hey, this guy's actually a huge cunt." She was like, "Oh God, I'm so sorry." It's wonderful, <laughs> Cher, great person. Love, love Cher. Well, well, shout out to Cher for, um, you know, proving why she is a long-lasting. A long-lasting figure in just listening to people. People told her that, and she went, "Oh no, mm, good that on sucks. That. that sucks, and it's bad that I've made everybody think I was I was down with this dude." Sorry, she could have she could have dug her heels in. She could have 
you know, she could have got defensive, all that sort of stuff, as a lot of people do when confronted with the idea that perhaps one of their associations is unsavory. Um, but she just went, ugh, that's no good. And I should also note that I think that what she did say in the wake of that, which was, oh, like, you know, she, she initially said to one or two people, oh, you know, that can't be right. People, people said, oh, he's, he's, you know, treated the, treated the gay community in Australia terribly. He subjected us all to this awful thing. And she said, oh, that can't be right. The guy I was hanging out with was, you know, he was very eloquent and spoke, you know, he spoke very, very highly and passionately about equality and equal rights and how much he loves the gay community and all sort of stuff. And it, it just really hammers home once again, just what a pathetic, spineless shit Malcolm Turnbull is. Because, you know, there's, there's only two things that are possible in this scenario, which is that he either um, was, you know, slitheringly crawling before uh, Cher and prostrating himself and talking about how much he loves the gay community when he really, really doesn't because, you know, why else would he have put everybody through what he did? Uh, or the other option is, is that he actually does feel like that, but he would still rather do what he did than have to actually, you know, stand up for what he believes in, actually attempt to be a leader in any kind of sense. He is still so, so beholden to power in such a fucking pathetic, craven way that he would gladly put everybody through that and then turn around afterwards and say, oh, well, nobody else managed to get same-sex marriage legalized, did they? As though that was what the Liberal Party were trying to do? Yeah. Ugh. Huge piece of shit, folks. Uh, I Huge th- piece of shit. I genuinely believe that he thinks he is a great ally and that he's done great by the queer community. And oh, yeah. Really? He, he considers this his victory, I reckon. The thing that he did. Yeah. And it's that think- super insidious kind of homophobia that sort of, I mean, dominated people's opinions throughout this whole thing is that just no one... You know, we're so used to thinking of gay people as second-class citizens that treating them as such just didn't ping with anyone, you know? If you don't really think of gay people as people, the idea of being like, ah, are they? Are they not? Mm. Doesn't, you know, it won't, it won't strike you as something wrong. And that's what happened with him. He just, he just doesn't think of them that way. So it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, I, I I struggle with that one. I I genuinely don't know whether or not he thinks he's done something great, or if he purely just thinks, well, I'd better immediately start trying to cast it in that light, and then hopefully that's how history will remember it. Um, but either way, he's a fucking massive coward, and that leads me on to our next segment, folks, and that is uh, digging a little further into the old mailbag. We are here in Mailbag Town, and we have a letter from friend of the show, Average Gamer, who is a brand new patron, uh, just this day signed Oh, up. thank you. Oh. Thank uh, you. He tweeted at the old show and said, I just listened to my first ever episode and immediately became a patron. Wow. Oh, that was a terrible idea. That was uh, an awful idea. <laughs> don't know why you did that. Yep. But well done to you. Well, I, I still think it was good. <laughs> One out of three. One out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Uh, and in a related report, question, if you will. <laughs> and in a related question, they say, other than Malcolm Turnbull, who is the biggest coward in the Liberal Party? Ooh. 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 Hmm. Fuck. Should have thought of that. Maybe even still Tony Abbott. I think Tony Abbott's too scared to do anything other than exactly what he's doing right now. Yeah, he's a pussy. He's a tiny little baby. Never get out. He'll never get out of that. I'm gonna say, uh, Tim Wilson. Ooh, it's an interesting one. Yeah, Tim Wilson does. It, well, he seems to me a lot like the the sort of junior Malcolm Turnbull, 
someone who believes in about 15% of what the current modern Liberal Party actually stands for. Mm. Mm. Um, I think I think he's someone who theoretically believes in the idea of being a small L liberal, but also look at the fucking parties attached to it. Yeah. Scott, yeah. Scott Morrison's a fucking pussy. I hate Scott yeah. Morrison. I'm just saying this because he blocked me on Twitter. So oh. Oh, he is a coward. True, He's a coward. True coward. It's a weak move. Yep. All right. Uh, so moving on. <clears throat> uh, friend of the show, Mike Graney says, uh, I've gotten a sense from the show in the past that you aren't super into the Batuta advocates. Could Oof. you elaborate on that? Ooh-hoo. We can. <laughs> sure. Sure, Look. we can indeed. <laughs> uh, you know, comedy is subjective. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, so my objection with them isn't that they just use sort of public access jokes that already exist as the crux for 90% of their articles instead of providing any actual insight into anything which is supposed to be the function of satire. And I will concede, sometimes they do some pretty funny stuff. They do. Uh, my issue with them is not the fact that most of their articles are written incoherently, and despite the <laughs> fact that they've done 10,000 of them, they still don't know how to do imitation news voice. Uh, <laughs> my article with them, my, my issue with them isn't even that their whole thing is pretending to be two country boys, uh, and they use that to sort of show scorn for inner city lefty media types which is a big recurring theme in their work despite the fact Mm -hmm. that they run an ad agency in fucking Redfern (laughs) my issue with them is that their politics are fucking stupid uh, and opportunistic you know they try and get uh, credits for being progressive about issues but are happily uh, willing to completely backflip on those you know they always have uh, they fucking hate feminists really big recurring theme is how many articles they have about hating feminists and feminism uh they just like they literally hang out with malcolm turnbull like they're pictured often with liberal party members ah yes do not think you're making great satire that questions the um status quo when you're doing that yes that would bring me to my my point which is uh number one a shorter version of what ben was saying they're basically just the onion light in a lot of senses they're very clearly going for that tone of voice and i think a lot of the time it doesn't quite land um but more importantly there is that sort of stuff like having malcolm turnbull come and launch your book and having malcolm turnbull spend election day with you doing a live stream and shit like that i think the the essence of stuff like satire ideally should be speaking truth to power and it's very hard to do that uh, when, when your power's dick power. is in your hand. Exactly. This stuff's funny sometimes. They've got funny stuff. I won't deny why people like them, but uh, yeah, the, a lot of this stuff is very inherently punching down. Yeah, I, oh, 100%. Yeah. And they've like, I'm trying to think, I had two examples of this, but I can only think of one at the moment where their whole thing is basically that trying to make the world better makes you a shit. Like, yeah. uh, yes. um, you know, they did one making fun of people that were posting photos of their uh, plebiscite ballot on Instagram. Whereas, like, you know, that was just everyone being like, yeah, it's great that I'm getting, you know, to say fucking yes to this and I'm trying to show other people that I'm doing this and remind them to do it as well or whatever. It's the most innocuous, harmless thing. And they came at it from this really weirdly mean place. And they've done that oh, with something else, and I wish I could think of what it was, but it was essentially the same joke, which is just, hey, look at these people that care about stuff. And yeah. oh, I was, like, huh. reading the comments <laughs> on um, the fucking the ballot one, and, like, every fucking reply was some guy being like, yeah, I'm sick of these faggots rubbing it in our face. Like... If that's your fans, you're probably not doing the best job at satire. Yeah. Pretty much, uh, if people can't distinguish it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That is summary. That is our answer. Yeah. I mean, they've they've definitely done some some stuff, some headlines that are 
They're quite funny, but more often than not, they're just churning out just shitty garbage. Hmm. Uh, we also have here... What have we got? A uh, friend of the show, Matt Harris, says, uh, Wokeness advice. Two of my favourite pastimes are listening to hip-hop and respecting women. But lots of good hip-hop is relatively unwoke. Are these two activities fundamentally incompatible? Does the woke gentleman have to give up the Wu-Tang Clan? Oof. And I say to this, no. no. Do not give up the Wu-Tang Clan. Are you going to stop uh, watching movies where someone gets shot just because you don't shoot people? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Agree. I feel like art art can be outside of the the problematic scale in some senses. Yes. There, uh, don't get me wrong. There is absolutely uh, hip-hop that I listen to now that I listened to like 10 years ago and I go, um, like say, listen to, listen to like, um, like specific stuff of like an old uh, Dr. Dre album or an Eminem album or something where, where there, there's literally just fantasies of killing women on records and like yeah. it's not even in the format of a song they just do it like a radio play and it's mortifying um i was thinking that recently about uh when dr dre finally put out that album detox which was going to be like the chronic two or whatever for like 20 years um no sorry it was called compton and it was going to be called detox and it was turning into hip-hop's chinese democracy um uh, where it was never going to come out and it finally did uh, and it was it was fine had a whole bunch of Kendrick Lamar on it which is good uh, but there is a, there's like a little interlude in the middle of that of somebody going oh, I'm going to kill you to a lady who is screaming and begging him not to and then gunshots and stuff mm, and I was re- well yeah and I was really struck by like how out of place that is in hip hop now yeah um, yeah I was I was sort of like ooh people don't do that anymore and it's probably for the best yeah stuff's becoming more woke it doesn't mean you can't enjoy the things that weren't so woke yeah in the in the same way that like you know you can watch old trash movies and all that sort of stuff um i would say that i think there is a lot of hip-hop that to me is basically like um it's basically like the pro wrestling of music you know where a, a huge part of it is just braggadocio yeah it's performance it's not no like no one listens to fucking uh, ghostface killer and goes oh i'm taking this very seriously and literally uh, yeah <laughs> yes uh but yeah i think you can use your own judgment often i think you can use your own judgment and see when something's coming from a bad place i would go in the other direction as well and say hey uh you could listen to a whole chris brown album about how nice he is to women mm, exactly yeah, and that uh, doesn't mean that he's not a huge raging piece of shit. Um, so, you know, use your own judgment. I think you can kind of tell in music sometimes uh, if people kind of really mean it yeah. or whatever. What do you think, Ben? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so on that note, we are going to take, uh, I think, one one or two more questions? Sure. Sure. Do you guys feel like one or two? Let's go to two. We can do two. Okay. Yeah, why not? Uh, All right. Well, I feel like this one is mostly for Ben because Lucy doesn't leave the house. (laughs) Sure. Uh, (laughs) uh, Friend of the show. Ooh, lover of the show. Thank you very much. Matt Taylor. Kisses. Matt Taylor recently increased his pledge in order to convince Theo to buy a big cookie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I hope it worked. I hope it it was a good cookie. It did. Theo said, ooh, they've got uh, big fancy cookies downstairs, but they're like $6. And uh, Matt replied to him and said, hey, uh, what if I, I'll bump up my pledge if it means you get the big cookie. <laughs> and, um, and he did it. And I let Theo know, and he immediately went and bought a frankly obscene looking wow. uh, cookie. I it respect was like that. Two, it was like a big cookie sandwich filled with like chocolate ganache. Kind oh, was gracious. Um, so big kisses to you, Matt, and big kisses to you from Theo's tummy, which is now full of cookie. Uh, so Matt says, Canadian here, A, he, he didn't say that, but <laughs> he did. thought I'd throw that he in. He thought it. No. 
um, thinking of visiting Australia. Any recommendations of places to see, things to do, etc. Be as serious or ridiculous as you deem necessary. Oh boy. Stay uh, out of Canberra. Don't bother with Canberra. Oh, Skip come Canberra. On now. Come on now. It's <laughs> my only advice. Wow. Well, it's not uh, unless are you are you planning to visit Canberra and then live and work here for several years? Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's not a great holiday. So I, f- I feel like Ben Ben is the one who goes uh, traveling and camping. He looks at the outside of houses. He looks. I love looks, the outside goes, of houses. <laughs> yeah, he he goes out of the door and then he just keeps going. I leave my house. I go to the yeah, pub. Work. I go to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they got pubs in, in Canada, though. they probably got pubs there. Mm. Uh, so, Ben, what would you suggest? Uh, a gen- a uh, gentleman coming to Australia. I mean, look at. this is a time and budget issue, obviously, but the probably the three things that you kind of have to do in Australia, I reckon. Uh, you got to do at least part of the Great Barrier Reef while it's still alive. Uh, if you can do the Whit Sundays, go up to Early Beach. You fucking you're in for a treat. The weather's fucking perfect all year round. It's like the most beautiful place in the world. It's full of backpackers, but you can ignore them. That's fine. Uh, that's definitely worth doing. Definitely should do Tasmania because it's just fucking insanely beautiful. And all they do is make the world's most incredible cheeses and beers and whiskies. Mm. Uh, and it's just. Tasmania is great. I it's recommend so Tasmania. Good. Like no mm. one lives there. The capital of fucking Tasmania has a population of two hundred fifty thousand. It's fucking tiny, uh, and everywhere else in Tasmania is much, much, much tinier than that. So it's great. Everyone there is super nice. Nothing's crowded. It's all beautiful. The fucking gallery, uh, Mona, is one of the best oh, fucking yeah. art galleries I've ever been to. Kicks ass. So you got to do that, and probably the top end. Probably should do Darwin. See a lot of crocs. Mm, see some see red some dirt. Yeah. Or you could go to Dreamworld. Oh, yeah, Dreamworld's pretty good. You could go to Dreamworld on the Gold Coast. It's a, it's a great place. Do not go to the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Today I was, uh, was looking at uh, some articles for uh, some other articles on a website that I'm writing articles for just so I could kind of get the feel for the tone. And like one of them was written in Cantonese. So I hit the translate button on it just out of curiosity to see what it was about. And it was about like uh, the best places on the Gold Coast to view wildlife. So I think it was largely targeted at uh, Chinese people coming over for the Commonwealth Games or whatever. doesn't matter. But uh, the opening paragraph, uh, I can't remember what the first couple of sentences were, but the translation of the last sentence was, come to the Gold Coast where everything is fulfilled. (laughs) What? Hmm. Where everything is fulfilled. That is not true of absolutely anything you could no. want anywhere. Uh, Seems don't, extremely untrue. Don't go to the Gold Coast. Uh, yeah. Or oh, don't are, go to Sydney. Don't if, go to Sydney. I mean, go to goodies. Melbourne. Go to Melbourne. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love Brisbane, but uh, I would not recommend it if you're on a, a tight budget and you've got time constraints. Uh, but I would recommend mm. living here. Hmm. There you go. Uh, and final question, folks. Final question for the day uh, is from friend of the show, Flashman, who says, I would like the hosts to each recommend a song we should listen to this week. Oh, that's very nice. Oh. Hmm. Um, oh. I fucking have been listening to the same fucking song over and over and over again this week. Uh hmm. Evangelion by Thundercat. Sounds mm-hmm. very indie. <laughs> it's like... It does. I, I don't know what you'd genre you'd call it. Maybe soul? Maybe? Ooh. Uh, but it's just fucking great. Really short. It's like two minutes long and I wish it was three times as long as that. Uh, Evangelion, Thundercat. Listen to it. Hmm. Uh, my recommendation is to listen to the song Eco Friend. Uh, from the album Onism by Fote, P H O T A Y. Hmm. How do you, uh, you guys? You guys know some underground shit. Oh God, I love him. God, I love Fote. 
everybody please listen to him by all of his albums um, yeah. it's only a couple of them uh, but they're super good listen to that whole album alright uh, fantastic stuff what about you Lucy I've been listening to nothing but Lil Peep rest in peace Lil Peep uh, Awful Things is a very good song it's uh, emo hip hop and I'm oh. very into it very wow. very into it it's <laughs> mm. a good makes pitch me wanna, makes me want to die uh, in a in a good way, like it's good. Great stuff. Okay. If you're feeling if you're feeling bad, awful things by Little Pete. Yeah. Uh, so there you go, folks. That just about does it for the show. Mm. Uh, I should note as well, we now have, thanks to reaching one of our Patreon goals, um, we have made a whole bunch of merchandise available. Yeah, we have. I'm yeah. ordering one. I'm ordering one mm. right now. There's uh, there's shirts, there's tea towels, there's badges, there's stickers, there's mugs. Um. I feel like it was some other stuff. Uh, but yeah, so you can go to buntavista.com forward slash merchandise if you would like to hook yourself up with some of that shit. Uh, do we have uh, a, a crime pass? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, if you um, if you see Pierce uh, Ackerman, you can whack him in, him <laughs> in the penis. <laughs> yep. You can whack him in his penis. Not too hard, like not to the point where it would be assault, just like a little little tap, sack tap. Yeah. Uh, and as always, uh, if you would like extra bonus episodes and all that kind of shit, get on over to patreon.com forward slash Punta Vista. A um, couple of bucks a month, you can get yourself twice as much of, of just this bullshit. Mm-hmm. This bullshit we're doing. You know? They love it. Yep. You love it. Uh, feel free to give us a rating on the old iTunes store or the podcast app or whatever the hell that thing is. Five stars only. Five stars only. Five stars only. Five stars only. That's all we take. Five stars, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. And that's where we're going to leave it for this week. Uh, So we'll see you over on the bonus episode, folks. The rest of you freeloaders, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.